conversation with each other sometimes and and uh, we've got to work at it. Uh, if you go to every good marriage counsellor, they always come back to the point, communicate, communicate, communicate. Isn't that right? And I've talked to some couples sometimes and they say, well, we can't communicate. I said, well, what do you talk to? Well, we scream at each other. I said, well, that's a start. I said, you are communicating. You can communicate. It's true, isn't it? If you're going to yell at each other, why can't you just bring it down a bit and talk to each other? So it's true. So we have the tragedy of we don't relate and we don't have a relationship. But a greater tragedy can be, can be said that the relationship and the communication and, the, and, and just the time spent with God seems to sometimes, even as Christians today, seems to just go by the way. That we can't communicate or relate or have time with our Heavenly Father. And we just sang a song, which I love that last song. I mean, I loved all the songs, but the last song. Father, just more, more of your presence in our lives. And have we forgotten to cultivate that very important relationship between us and God? Because I want to tell you this morning, just like you can't, you can't necessarily read a person's mind, you can't read what God's mind is either unless you have a relationship with Him. You can read His Word to find out what His mind is. And sometimes He'll speak in that, in that, in that, that, that still small voice to our hearts. And uh, you've just got to be in a place where you want to receive from Him. And as we were saying this morning, I mean, when Penny was saying, ask, my question, my asking this morning was, God, just more of listening to you, more of what you got for me. And, you know, God just um, wants us to have that passion and desire. And I've discovered God's got the best technology around, the best technology. He's listening all the time. Everywhere we are, at any time, at any place, He can hear you. Uh, that's better than anything else. He has the ability to listen. It's not limited by mobile phone coverage. Isn't that good? Not limited to whether you're on Facebook or Twitter. He's not limited to the latest software. God is 24-7. No prepaid is necessary. He doesn't change a thing to communicate. We don't, he doesn't change a thing to communicate with Him. You don't have to be in range. He always is. You don't have to recharge before you speak to him. Your phone doesn't have to be recharged. He is fully charged, ready to communicate and have a relationship. And I reckon that's good news. So I find that I have no excuse about communication and relationship with my Heavenly Father because He really is there all the time. He's omnipresent. That means always, everywhere, omnipresent, there. He's always there. And as we take that thought and look at the story of Mary and Martha, uh, as we come to this story, we see something of a breakdown of communication. And that first of all is obviously between two sisters, and uh, Mary and Martha. And Martha was concerned with the food and the preparation, and she didn't communicate that to Mary, and shows her anger when she addresses Jesus with a complaint about her sister. Have you ever had anybody ever walk into a room and talk to someone else about you and not address you, but someone else? That's a terrible situation, isn't it? So she's speaking to Jesus, Mary's right there, and she's saying, Jesus, would you deal with her? She's, she's not doing what I want her to do. Would you get her to help me? I tell you what's really bad in life is getting someone else to shoot your bullets. I've had to learn to stop that. It doesn't work. You know, husbands, don't go up to your wife and say, you've got to deal with that daughter of yours. You deal with her. Or wives, Go and deal with your son. No, why should you deal if this is necessary? You know what I'm saying? Or you go to your boss. Don't do this. Go to your boss and say, hey, you know, that I just want to tell you about that person. You've got to deal with them. No, you go and, con you know what I'm saying? Don't shoot 
Don't get someone else to shoot your bullet. That's bad communication. Would you agree? And it's the same with God. God doesn't, you know, we don't have to go through anybody to communicate with God. I'm glad today we haven't got a confessional box that you can come and talk to me and Malcolm where we can sit hour after hour and listen to your sins about your problems or your joys or your uh, whatever whatever it is you want to talk to God about. And we sit there and say, yeah, we'll deal with that and we'll let God know about it. No, you can go straight to Him. You don't need me and Him to shoot your bullets. If you've got to pray about something or pray for someone or someone that hassles you, you don't. You can talk to the Heavenly Father. And so we see this breakdown of relationship between Mary and Martha. And then Jesus talks to Martha. And as I said, he says, Martha. Martha. Didn't hit her, I wouldn't think. But he had to just stop her, maybe. That's why he said it twice. Martha, shut up. (laughs) No, just listen to me. Many things, there's many things that you are distracted by. Many things. So Jesus could see into the heart of this precious lady. There's many things. But there's just one thing I want you to do, and you didn't do it. And Mary has done the better thing. Mary's done the good thing. Now, he didn't say to Martha, you're doing the wrong thing. He just said to Martha, you're probably, in a, in a nutshell, you're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. If you'd maybe sat at my feet for the first hour, just as Mary is with the rest of the disciples, we could have had a commu- relationship and communication and said, then you'd be more equipped to go and prepare the meal. And it's okay, we can have the meal an hour later. It's not a big issue. But you're just being distracted. And the truth is, it wasn't so much about the meal. It was because Martha, I believe, had formed a habit of busyness in her life. That really was the problem. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better thing. Sit down and, and sit and listen and be in his presence. Just being in Jesus' presence. And of course, that very point and that very passage of Scripture in Luke 10 brings up, brings up the struggles that we can have, I've had, we can all have. And that is just spending time with God in His presence. And it's more than just um, 15, 20, 30 minutes on a Sunday morning in worship or an hour and a half in church. It's more than Sunday. In actual fact, I find that I have better presence times with God in that sense in my time just with Him than sometimes I do on Sunday. Now, Sunday's brilliant. I love being in the fellowship of believers. But who knows that, you know, there's no use me coming and ministering or trying to impress you with anything unless, uh, in the truth is, unless I've spent time in His presence. What could I ever bring if I'm not going to bring what He wants to say? And how can you go into your work day if you don't know what God wants, if you haven't had time? And you, I mean, when you face the struggle and when you face the issue, you just react instead of maybe responding out of how He wants us to respond because you've discovered in His presence, the way to respond to the struggle that you face. But if you don't have the presence with Him, you never know how to respond to the struggle. You never know how to react to the issue. But in His presence, things change. His presence. And that's what Jesus was saying, and that was the struggle that Martha was having, and that's what Mary was doing in His presence. And see, why is Mary doing the better thing i asked myself that question why did jesus say that mary's doing the better thing why was being in jesus presence better and i've just kind of started on that line of thought right there and what i said a moment ago but 
we see that Jesus says very clearly, Mary, you've chosen the right thing. And that will not be taken away from you. I want to tell you, time spent in God's presence isn't lost. Sometimes we think we're too busy to spend time with God. I've got this and this and this to do. God, you'll understand. But I want to tell you, when you spend time in His presence, this and this and this seems to be done so much easier because you spent time doing that with Him. His presence allows you to think clearer, to walk wiser, to speak truth more truthfully. His presence helps you to cope with life. Uh, are you getting it this morning? His presence. Um, and I think it's a good question that we ask, why is being in His presence the better thing? Why did Jesus say that? Um, and as I thought of that question, I thought of the reality that every, in a, every 24-hour period, I've, I have to, and you have to, have a period of rest, don't we? We have to sleep. They say that the human body can only go three days without rest before it starts to, starts to destroy itself. Something will start to be, it won't kill you, but it starts to destroy your body because you haven't rested. Your body hasn't, because when you rest, it gives you time to regenerate, it gives you time to repair, it gives you time to renew. Did you know that's what sleep does? That's what it does. See, all through the waking hours of your day, you're destroying your body. Your muscles are breaking. You're using them. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. You're breaking down muscle. You're, you're exercising. You're working. You're using up you know, capacity, your brain cells. You're chewing up energy. Everything's breaking down. When you rest or when, even when you eat, it regenerates your body. It repairs your body. It renews your body. But sleep, I've discovered, does not renew my emotions. Sleep doesn't renew my emotions, doesn't renew my inner thoughts, it doesn't deal with my concerns, sleep doesn't deal with my worries, uh, it, doesn't, it, gives me, it, it doesn't give me all of a sudden just because I lay down and rest for six or seven hours, it doesn't all of a sudden give me peace and joy because I've discovered some people who go to sleep worrying end up waking up worrying. And I've discovered that even worry can take you sleep from you, isn't that true? So sleep does not regenerate your physical and, 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 and emotional body. But I want to tell you, if you look at the reality, when you rest in our Heavenly Father, that's what regenerates your emotional being. That's what regenerates your life. That you can think clearer, you can walk stronger. See, Paul said something very significant in regards to this. And he said, uh, he said this, and we'll flick it over. To slide three, but it's not working. Everybody say, work! There it goes. Back. There we go. Well, there we go. Romans 12.2. See the power of everybody together. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, too much. It went over, over there. Do not be conformed, come on. Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A verse that many of us probably have memorized, because it's such a great verse, isn't it? I mean, the Bible's great, but there's a great verse. Romans 12, 2. So Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. Paul's saying something. He says, there's plenty of opportunities in this world uh, that will give us to be worried, anxious, 
uh, angry, frustrated, jealous, unforgiving, and you can name a whole heap of other emotions that we are prone to as humans. Isn't that right? There's lots of opportunities for the world to make you conform to its standards and its fleshly passions. But, I like the buts of God's, okay? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're not going to get that and have an arrest on your bed. Your body will repair, but your emotion needs time to repair. I want to tell you where you get your emotional repair, emotional renewing. It's when you spend time in the presence of a heavenly father. And I want to say sometimes your time with God is not this a verbal conversation, but it's sometimes it's a heart conversation. Have you ever spent time in God's presence and just said nothing and let him touch your life? And in your mind, you just say, God, more, more of you, more of your strength, more of you I need in my life. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, the truth is, I've, I've discovered, and I think you would, you can't live in the mindset of a Martha for too long before things start to give up. The busyness and the stressfulness of got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to get this happening. And before it starts to take a toll on your body, what was her mindset? Distracted, busyness, worry, anxiety. That was her mindset. You can't live in that realm, folks. For Well, some of you may have trained yourself to live for weeks in that realm of anxiety. But I want to tell you, it does something in your physical body that's not good. So what starts to give up? What starts to happen is our physical health, our mental health. Why is today more people needing mental health, uh, you know, um, mental health help than ever before in the society that we live in? Why are we continuing down that path of mental health? Now, please understand me. I do not degrade or put down anybody who's grappling with some mental health issues. I just want to point out the reality that if our God had his way, he would have no one with any mental health issues. Because if you renew our mind, we wouldn't be focused on the issues and the problems and the anxiety and the frustrations and the unforgiveness. My good, unforgiveness destroys us. And I've discovered a wonderful secret that's no longer a secret. That as we spend time in the presence of our Heavenly Father and we give over the issues and we surrender the problems and we give up the unforgiveness and we say, Father, here I am, take me and break the bondages of the enemy over my life. I tell you, there comes a peace that surpasses understanding. I tell you, you're not convinced this morning. It's true, isn't it? Because there comes a time where we have to renew our inner person. You can't live at a Martha-type um, level of anxiety all your life without some damage being done physically and emotionally. We have to strengthen ourselves. We have to have an inner resolve in our emotions. And it's called God's presence in us, His Holy Spirit touching our lives. King David put it this way. I love that. He said this, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your what? Heart. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The word heart means this. Really simple English, center for everything that comes out of you. Whew, that's a great thought. It means he will strengthen everything that comes out of you. Sometimes I've said and done things that I don't like what comes out of me. 
And I think, uh-oh, got to deal with that. That comes from somewhere. Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. And I'm thinking, far out. That's not good. Where did that come from? Where did that reaction? Where, what, what, what's that all about? And I have to come back and I just say, Father, just strengthen my heart. Let everything that comes out of me uh, be sweet and not bitter. Let everything that comes out of me help me to live life and not live in hell, but live in joy and peace. See, uh, everything that comes out of us, attitudes, emotions, feelings, that sounds like a better prescription than a doctor could ever give you. Better than a cabinet full of pills. And I understand, once again, that sometimes we need pills, and I'm not going to put that down. Please appreciate what I'm saying. But uh, I just think, uh, our God. Also, Isaiah said this. Isaiah said, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they will run and not be weary, and they will walk, shall walk and not faint. And as I looked at the word wait, I love that word because it just simply means to bind together. So God's saying, whatever you wait on and give your attention to, you will connect with and you'll start, if you give it enough attention, you'll cling to it. I think sometimes... We cling to other things. Sometimes we cling to the television. Don't take my television off. Mm. Cling to our video games. Uh, cling to a whole bunch of stuff in our life. And whatever you give attention to, you become like. It binds you with that. Whoa. Cling to a magazine. Got to read my magazine. Got to read those. Got to read those books with all those, you know, Mills and Boone. No one reads them here anyway, would you? I know you just wouldn't read that. You know, we, what do you cling to? What do you fantasize about? What do you cling to? Because what you cling to will start to bind itself to you. See, what you, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I love that. Uh, so as we wait on the Lord, literally we bind ourselves to Him and His joy becomes our joy. His attitudes become our attitudes. His thoughts become our thoughts. Um, so as we literally bind ourselves to a Heavenly Father, you start to think like Him and start to act like Him. And uh, I think that's a good... Could anybody want more than that? Man, that's brilliant. You see... When we do, when we wait on Him, we see things not with the negative eye, but the eye of faith. When we start to allow Him into our life, uh, anxiety and worry are not parked in our lives. They may visit us, but they don't reside. We'll still have some struggles uh, that'll come and try and test us. Uh, when we wait on Him, we'll be able to build relationships with others and even love other people. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Come on, are you there this morning? Good. When we wait on Him, we will find that self-centeredness has got to flee. Got to get rid of it when we wait on When we wait on Him, we'll even have a better marriage. Who needs a better marriage? Don't answer that question. When we start to wait on Him, we'll do what God wants to, us to do for, in our lives. When we wait on Him, we'll start to long for more time with Him. When we wait on Him... Where we give time to Him, we'll cope with the daily struggles of life so much better. And even the unexpected won't take us so much and knock us off our chair. Church, Jesus invited 
uh, was invited into Martha's house. And uh, guess who invited Jesus into her house? Martha invited Jesus. It says, as it happened, they went to a certain village and certain women, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into the house, invited him into the house. And she invited Jesus into her house, but she was distracted with many things and had no time for him. And just imagine if Jesus was by himself, uh, we find that uh, she would have been busy and Jesus was just a lonely guest sitting somewhere in the eating area by himself. But he did have Mary there and he had the disciples, we believe. And so uh, who invites a guest into their home and then neglects to even be with them or spend time talking to them? No one ever invites someone into the front door and says, well, sit there, don't move, don't speak, don't, I've got other things to do. We'll kind of catch up over the meal. You don't do that, do you? You would prepare before you get there. Or, you know. So the whole reason that Jesus came was to be with them. You, you know, and when you invite people, you want to spend time with them. Uh, but, you know, we can't... Forget, don't forget while we've invited them because it wants to be in their presence. And Martha forgot that point because she was taken up with other stuff. And I've discovered we love to have Jesus in our presence, but we fail to engage in His presence. We love to have Him in the house. We love to have Him in our presence, but we sometimes fail to engage in His presence. Because when Jesus is just there, and I, you know, and he's in my presence. He gets nothing out of that. Not that he doesn't mind being in our presence. He doesn't get anything out of that. But when I'm in his presence, I get a lot out of that. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, just have Jesus around, or just make sure that Jesus is there close enough that if we ever really need him, we can run to him, and that'll be okay. And you know what? God doesn't even despise you for that, I don't believe. He, he doesn't mind being the spare tire. He just says that one day, somehow, I've got to become not just the round tire in the boot. I've got to become the round circle in the front that you drive with. I want to be the steering wheel. And I want, to be in, I want you to be in my presence, not me just hanging around, waiting for you to talk to me. Do you know what I'm saying this morning? Martha invited him, but sat him separate. It was like Jesus was in her presence, but really Jesus wanted Martha to be in his presence. And, you know, when he's set, we sit in his presence, and it was said this morning, sometime there comes a transfer, there comes an exchange. And the exchange is beauty, uh, ashes for beauty, the, uh, mourning for the oil of joy. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I tell you, that's what he wants to bring into our life, doesn't he? There comes an exchange. I don't want to walk around with a spirit of heaviness. I don't want to walk around mourning ashes in my life. I want to just his presence. And I want to tell you that the more of his presence, the more you start to find life goes so much better. It doesn't mean you won't have the struggles. Yeah, you'll have them. You'll just cope with them so much better. And, and I want to just say this. When Adam and Eve walked on the earth, you know, it wasn't a case of God in heaven, Adam and Eve down here, God every now and then visited. No, he walked with them. He walked and talked with them. He had relationship with them. He was there with them. I mean, when they got, God would create an animal. What's that? It's a duck. I mean, he knew exactly. what Adam was a part of that whole process. You know, Adam was there. They'd done things together. They walked together, Adam and Eve, with God. And so 
The reality was when Adam and, 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 and God were, they were inseparable friends. And the greatest tragedy to come out of the fall between Adam and Eve and God, when Adam and Eve sinned, was the very fact that the greatest tragedy was they got separated from God. Sin separated them from God. And that was the thing that they enjoyed the most. And it some, sometimes can be the case that Christians seem to enjoy the least. Spending time with God. I once had a pastor say to me, he's no longer a pastor. He said to me, pray? Why would you pray? I've got too much to do. I said, <laughs> I walked away. He's no longer a pastor. In actual fact, he's not even in church anymore. I thought, Father, I think I know why. And I don't judge him wrongly. And I don't have a heart against him. I just say the reality is, folks, you can't exist with that relationship. Um, Adam and Eve, the biggest thing, there was a wall of separation. That's what sin done. And it's been there ever since. I'm just glad that we had this wonderful, wonderful um, story come to pass where the angels in heaven started to sing. And they, they came an angel to Joseph. And one night said to Joseph, hey, don't, don't worry, it's hassle. Uh, marry Mary because uh, she's going to give, what's in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And you will call his name Jesus, and they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Whoa, what was that all about? That was God restoring what happened in the garden, bringing it back so we could be with him in his presence. Christmas is a wonderful time. And if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this, that Christmas is all about Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Guess what? God's, God's plan hasn't changed. Even when Jesus left to be with his heavenly Father again in heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. God with us. God's presence has always been available for us to engage in. I... Um, Four weeks ago, I was in the Philippines. I'd finished two weeks of ministry. We'd gone flat strap. I think in 17 days, we'd done 15 meetings. We had a ball. God was touching lives. It was a brilliant time in the Philippines. But at the end of that time, we had about 18 hours spare, and we flew back from Tarkloban to Manila, and we, we just needed to rest. There was five of us, myself and Michelle and my daughter Lydia and Pastor Dion Hockey and Charmaine. And so we booked ourselves in a motel just for one night, just to rest. And, the, and that afternoon, we went to a, a, a shopping mall in the Philippines in Manila. Some of us will know it. It's called the Mall of Asia. It's about the second or third biggest shopping center in Asia, all of Asia. And the real desire for us was we just wanted to find something to eat that kind of resembled steak and vegetables. I love Filipino food. I'll eat rice and chicken and fish till it comes out. I love it. But I do appreciate just once every two weeks something that I'm a bit used to. And so we found this mall and we found parked back in the corner of this mall a steakhouse. We thought we had found heaven. We walked through the front door. It was a really nice restaurant. It was an amazing restaurant. It was a big restaurant and it overlooked Manila Harbor all the ships out there I thought this is brilliant there was only one other group of people in the restaurant and I thought that's good we'll get time to be served so we walked in and we sat down all five of us the other group eventually left we were the only ones in the restaurant big restaurant we had no less than five waiters attending to us 
And I kind of was so consumed with the fellowship and the food, I didn't really notice it at first, but these waiters were just standing at a distance, wanting to serve our every need. I didn't really think of it that way at the time, but in hindsight, I can see what was happening. They were just waiting for us, waiting upon us. My glass of water was never empty. It'd get to this far and they'd fill it again. I'd go, well, thank you. And I'd go on with the conversation. One of the waiters brought over a portable air conditioner because he thought it might be a little bit hot for us Westerners. So he, 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 he put it right at the end of the table and we had this beautiful air conditioned air. Apart from the air conditioning in the room, he just wanted to make it right for us. I thought, man, he's just such a great waiter. Every need was met. And then they brought out the meals. And the individual meals were each on a mobile tray. So it came out on wheels with a cover on the plate. I've never had that happen before. I did look at the price of the meals after we'd ordered them. I realized why it was so good. Because <laughs> we didn't bother with the price when we first walked in. But my steak was 42 bucks. <laughs> Australian. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I paid it because I'd already ordered it. But anyway, it came out on a mobile. It, they took the lid off. They presented it to me. Every one of us had the same thing happen. We had this meal, steak and veggies. I loved it. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. And the waiters continued to stand just as, as soon as my plate was finished, they came and took the empty plate. They said, do you want dessert? Do you want coffee? I said, no. Do you want drinks? Some had coffee. Some of us had coffee. Um, some of us had Diet Cokes, things like that. Every moment of our sitting time in that restaurant was catered for. And they all stood at just a distance and watched us and waited. Waited for us just to say something or just ask them. Now, we were not impolite. We were not, you know, these raucous westerners who didn't consider it or were thankful we said thank you many times to them and were appreciative but i couldn't help but thinking that you know god wants us to do the very same thing for him he wants because god just says in revelation 3 20 says behold i stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i'll come into him and dine with him and he with me i love that bit he with me and i think god this morning makes an invitation to you, and the invitation is simply this, that you would open the door and let him sit at your meal table, and that together you could just wait on him. And if you would take the time to wait, that you would find that he would so fill your soul, not just physical food, but spiritual sustenance, spiritual nutrition that would so strengthen you, as you would spend time in his presence, as you would be like those waiters who just wanted to kind of share and, and take every moment and to help us and whatever we needed, God would say, would you just wait upon me like that? Not because I deserve it or because I demand it from you. It's so that I can give something back to you. I can add into your life. And some of you here, I'm speaking a foreign language, but I want to encourage you, God is waiting for you to wait. You say, what's waiting? Waiting is simply being just attentive and open and responsive and asking when God and you just have more than just words to say, but just want to spend time in His presence. Waiting, that's what waiting is. It's just allowing Him to touch your life and minister to you.
And it may not be a foreign concept to you in the days and weeks to come, but allowing God to do that. You know, as you wait in His presence, He can bring healing upon your body. As you wait in His presence, He can heal you, just not your physical soul, uh, your physical body, but your soul as well. As we're attentive. Those waiters in those restaurants were so attentive. That was single focus. There was no one else in the restaurant, just us. And it's like today, God wants you to realize He's the only one in the restaurant that you need to serve and love and wait upon. And as you do, look out what could happen in your life. He wants us to be single focused sometimes. Just spend that time in His presence. Can we stand this morning? Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your, I, I hope and pray that something of God's heart touches your heart and the relevance of what is just being shared. Can we just sing this song this morning and just for a moment just say, God, what is it? I know that already, I think that was brilliant this morning. Malcolm just said, come on, what do you need of God? How about today we just spend a moment again and just say, Father, this is what I need. Um, and and it might, let's get past, you know, well, God, I need a car and I need this. But what about you ask for your soul? Father, I just need your touch upon my life. I just need you to help me with the reality of what I face in forgiving someone else or the reality of what I face in trying to cope with that circumstance. All those feelings I have that I'm just angry sometimes, God. God would say, would you just let me take that today and bring his joy and peace. So come on, let's sing that song. What do you need? We need him to touch our lives. Experience.